Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah. Chicago Cubs. Um, a very interesting move by the Cubs. Um, 
I really think that they are still in rebuild mode right now while they're in the NL Central because they still have to try to compete with a team like the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers as well, building themselves up. But this is a good pinpoint signing to get him in there. But at least it looks like they're trying to strengthen this team as best as they possibly can after winning the World Series a few years ago. Um, a lot of people departed and made their own way, but I, I really didn't feel like the Cubs would actually gain ground to try and make a name for a big name in Swanson. So they get Swanson for 177 mil, uh, a little under 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at all of the uh, details on the contract as of right now, but this is a good signing for them as they try to rebuild this uh, team up. And it is a seven-year deal. So it's under 10 years. This is a heavy contract for the, the Cubs at this point in time. But nevertheless, I had to give this uh, as leeway as I had to talk about this one out the gate. The next signing I did want to talk about is something that's actually close to me, me being a Minnesota Twins fan, and that is the situation that happened with Carlos Correa. Now, Carlos Correa ended up signing a very heavy deal with the San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants were in the hunt for trying to get uh, Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge signed this deal with the New York Yankees signing. I think it's a nine-year for 360. He's getting 40 mil a year. Um, it seems like the same type of contract that uh, was supposed to be sent to Aaron Judge at the point in time. Instead of it going to Aaron Judge, it actually went to Carlos Correa, but for less years. So he ended up getting, I think it's an 11-year for 360. Basically, they try to cut that up as best as they possibly could across the board. But nevertheless, I'm looking at the situation for Carlos Correa. I know Carlos Correa was trying to get top dollar uh, for his ability at the time because he's in his 20s, you know, with – a situation with Aaron Judge being in his early 30s, a lot of people try to weigh the factor of how many years that he could get into a contract, how much money would they invest in him. But especially the season that he did have, you have to kind of give way to uh, epic uh, historical season in American, American League history. Um, Carlos Correa's deal is actually 13 years for 350. Uh, he's basically there for the entirety of his MLB career unless something else happens or he entertains it, you know, another team, another team wants to swoop him and, and get him out of there in the next couple of seasons. I, I don't know if it's a six or seven year deal where we start to see some rumblings that he goes somewhere else, but he's basically there for our heavy foreseeable future um, in which they broke 500 last year. They went 81 and 81 uh, in the NL West. I still think that they are fighting to at least catch the Padres and the Dodgers as it looks right now. The Padres were without uh, Tatis Jr., um, and, uh, and the Dodgers are going to be consistent, but they lost a good amount of pieces as well. But I still feel like the Dodgers will still be in the hunt to at least fight for the top of that division as well. So Carlos Correa uh, going to the NOS makes it that much more intriguing. I still feel like they have to put pieces around him to see them be successful uh, in the future. I, I don't think it'll be an instant success right now in that first season, but I think once they bring, you know, some notable names and, get that uh, rotation moving. I think that's something that should be a heavy concern. But as of this point in time, Correa's deal is huge for the San Francisco Giants. I, I can't even get over that. That He ends up leaving the Minnesota Twins after having a good start but ended up getting injured in the midst of it and um, basically telling everybody in that market that uh, they had a good standing relationship that he would end up coming back. But I you see as uh, everything turned, it was a situation where the Twins couldn't match that type of money that he wanted. Speaking of the Minnesota Twins, the Minnesota Twins end up bringing in Joey Gallo for a one-year deal for 11 mil. 
uh, the outfielder will be helping this team, especially while a lot of questions loom around Max Kepler. Um, Max Kepler is a player that I'm actually heavy towards. I like the way that he actually is a, a batter, but um, his average has dropped and his play in the game has decreased, and he's actually been injured last season too. Um, another name that will be leaving is, is Miguel Sano too. So they bring in Gallo hope, hoping that he could get that start that he had with the Yankees. Uh, last year before they moved him and the year that he had previously in the National League as well. Hopefully they could get that spark back. But this is a one-year deal. I think this is a sink or swim situation, especially while uh, you got Byron Buxton, who's been in and out of the lineup for the past couple of seasons, especially with him going into the All-Star game and having a good season and um, getting injured again. And he's been injury-riddled. So to get Gallo out there, this would be pretty interesting to see who they keep and how the Twins can move uh, successfully in the future, but well, I lost one and one entered. It, it's kind of that's how karma kind of works. Um, good or bad karma. I'm, I'm not even looking at that as a bad karma. I'm just looking at it as Carlos Correa's one-year stint with the Twins. I feel like it should have been more, but he already opted out. I feel like he may have seen something in Minnesota that wanted him to leave because uh, they gave him a, a big contract at the door of uh, the three-year for like I think it was 108 mil, and he walked away from that. So. Um, you know, congrats on that contract, Carlos. Hopefully, you know, you do well in your, your future with the Giants. Um, hopefully the Twins get this right and, and can get everybody healthy. Uh, Maya, the, uh, the pitcher, you know, coming off of the year due, due to the Tommy John surgery should be back next season. So we actually get another gun. But they've actually been talking about potentially trading him too. So hopefully the Twins stay calm and don't jump the gun too much. Um there's also another signing with uh, Ben Intendi. He actually signed with the White Sox for 75 mil. This is a big pickup after they just lost Abreu to Abreu just left. But for them to get Andrew Ben Intendi is, is a pretty big deal. Five year for 75 mil to Chicago. But there's a lot of ups and downs and question marks that they have to fill, especially with the departure of not only Abreu but also losing their skipper as well in La Russa. So. I feel like the stability of this White Sox team could be in question, but they still are an offensive team that you do have to worry about, especially with Tim Anderson in the midst of that lineup. So this is pretty huge for the White Sox, especially in the AL Central, especially a rival of mine that I get to see as well. So I'm trying to dodge a lot of this before I jump into the Knicks and Cranny because I'm so happy to get into this most wonderful time of the year, bowl season, so on and so forth. So I'm going to get into a lot of the bowl games that took place throughout this weekend, and then we'll get into the week 15 games and thoughts and opinions, things of that nature. Um, the first game that I have in bowl season, uh, the University of Texas San Antonio took on Troy. Troy wins this matchup 18-12. to 12. This took place on Friday the 16th of December. Following that up, UAB wins that matchup up against Miami, Ohio 24-20. This also took place on Friday. Saturday, these are some questionable scores in games. Oregon State beats the Florida Gators 30-3. Now, I get it. Oregon State had a great season. They went, they finished the season 10-3, right? Florida was 6-6 at this point in time getting into a bowl game, and, of course, it only takes six games to get into a bowl game, so on and so forth. I felt Florida could have been competitive in this game. They scored that field goal in the fourth quarter. They basically were shut out. I, I want to give Oregon State the credit to call this a shutout. 
I, I don't want to give Florida any credit for this three-point effort, especially why, to me, even if Oregon State was ranked and they had a good time in the Pac-12 this season, I feel like Florida could have competed. I don't even want to say they're the better team because they're not uh, based off the record. But to give Oregon State the credit to come out here and beat the crap out of Florida, I tip my hat. I never would have thought the Beavers would have came out with this type of game in which they didn't really have too many gaudy stats. They beat them on the ground. Uh, Fenwick, the running back, had 21 carries and 107 yards rushing. And uh, the receiver, Bolden, has six receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. Um, but the leading passer in the game came from Florida, and Miller had 13 uh, completions for 22 attempts and 180 yards, no touchdowns thrown. Um, this is question marks that are around Florida while they do get a couple of interesting pieces coming in, including the quarterback Rashida that was supposed to end up going to Miami and he ends up flipping to Gainesville. The next matchup we have is Louisville going up against Cincinnati. Louisville wins that matchup up against the Bearcats 24 to seven in the Fenway bowl, um, holding Cincinnati to one score right before halftime. This was a 21 to seven score going into the half. Uh, Louisville ends up scoring a, field goal uh, at the end of the game and basically just, you know, shutting the door on Cincinnati. Cincinnati did not score again. And uh, this is the regime of Cincinnati starting up without their coach, Luke Fickrell. Um, This is going to be tough because I respect Luke as a coach, and I hope this isn't the decline of the Bearcats for all that they've been able to do while he's been there. But I feel like it's going to come soon. I I don't even want to say later, but within the next season or or two, I think they'll end up declining. The next matchup we have is Fresno State going up against Washington State, winning this one in another blowout, 29-6, to in which Washington State uh, scored their six points in the third quarter, basically getting beat across the board by Fresno State. Fresno State was scoring in every quarter, doing this across the board. Um, the quarterback had an efficient day, 24 for 35, 36, excuse me, 280 yards uh, passing with two touchdowns. The running back, Mims, finished with 18 carries and 209 yards. He beat the crap out of them with two touchdowns. And the wide receiver, uh, Remigio, had five receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown in a winning effort. Um, Washington State, I will come back to you. I have to kind of show some type of credence, if you will, on what happened throughout this week as well. Southern Mississippi, this is probably the one that raised my eyebrows the most. I was just talking about this before we walked into the brunch. Southern Miss wins their matchup up against Rice University, 38-24, to in which you guys know I'm the Hurricane fan myself. Frank Gore Jr. has 21 carries for 329 yards and two touchdowns in this game up against Rice. Uh, Rice's quarterback had 19 passes for 37 uh, attempts, 295 yards passing and three touchdowns in a losing effort. And, uh, Southern Miss's receiver, Caston, had four receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown himself uh, in this interesting game. Frank Gore Jr. is making a name for himself, and hopefully this could uh, get going as smooth as possible sooner or later. The next matchup we have in a nail-biter is BYU going up against SMU. They win this matchup by one point, 24-23, in which SMU was down 24-10, to in the fourth scored 13 points and could not get that extra point to win this game. I have to give BYU a ton of credit to hang on because SMU made this interesting at the end of the game. Nevertheless, BYU is always one of those 30 teams that you have to worry about uh, year in and year out, to say the least, but they held on to knock off the Mustangs. Um, The next matchup we have, 
Boise State wins their matchup up against North Texas, winning this matchup 35-32, to in which North Texas put up a valiant effort, but Boise State was able to overcome the situation. While Boise State was actually winning a majority of games this season, but losing more than we're used to seeing Boise State lose throughout the season um, in a uh, battle where the quarterback threw for 17 of 32, 238 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, John T., the running back, had 28 carries for 178 yards and a touchdown as well. And the receiver, Dixon, had six receptions and 60 yards uh, in a winning uh, – no, he actually – excuse me, he's for SMU in a losing effort. I apologize uh, for the Mustangs. No, where am I? I, I apologize. No, I apologize. Hey, Yoon is, is North Texas' uh, quarterback. I got my stats mixed up. I'm so sorry. And John T is the the running back for Boise State, and Smart was the receiver, three catches for 94 yards. I apologize. This moved on me. Um, the next matchup I have, which is coming up Monday, is Marshall and UConn, and this fizzles out for the rest of the bowl season. I don't even want to say the bowl week, but we have a ton of amount of games to get into throughout bowl season as well. I'm just so in a bliss, and I'm sorry that the stats got mixed up on me because the, they updated in front of me, so I apologize. But nevertheless, across the board, we've seen interesting games and blowouts at least in the first couple of bowl games. But the one that stunned me the most was the Oregon State matchup up against Florida. Them winning by 27 and them holding Florida to a field goal is impressive. I, I really don't know which way Florida goes, especially with the young kids. Uh, Jalen Rashida, like I told you, coming in there. That's one thing that I'm hanging my hat on. And, of course, with Frank Gore Jr. with that 329-yard effort, speaks volumes on what this guy can end up doing in Division One level, but hopefully he can actually make an impact in the NFL. I'm, I'm hoping that they don't look at him as an undersized running back because he is a shorter running back, kind of like his father, because his father, Frank Gore, was he's short too. I met him in person as well. Um, but still great character, great running back, and uh, hopefully he learned a lot from his father. But with this effort up against Rice, this, this speaks volumes on what he can end up doing. Um so I went from Major League Baseball. I went from college football. We do have NFL Week 15. I do want to get into more before I jump into this. We do have the fighting world that actually took place yesterday also. MMA has some matchups. Uh, also have, okay, so I could actually talk about something that actually got interesting. So in the NBA, we had a game where they are battling for the Western Conference. And, I'm not going to lie. As much as I am a fan of the team that I love is the Oklahoma City Thunder, I do love and respect Zion Williamson's game. If whatever he's been able to bring to the game for the New Orleans Pelicans is speaking volumes for what they've been able to do at this point in time. People, I, I, I could never have thought at this point in time for the Pelicans to at least be fighting for the lead in the Western Conference. I would have never thought that. If you would have asked me that, I would have been like, okay, what happened? Did everybody in the West get injured? And and at this point in time, we do have an injury. You know, you have Steph Curry that's down. So I kind of have to give him his credit at this point in time. But nevertheless, um, they were at the top of the Western Conference, you know, fighting back and forth with the Phoenix Suns. And, and this has actually turned into a real rivalry, especially with uh, within the past week or so. Uh, there was a game in New Orleans where the Pelicans were up nine. Uh, they ended up stopping the Suns and Zion gets an open court 360 windmill, and they kind of set everything off and fireworks, so on and so forth. They have this matchup going on in Phoenix. And, boy, let me tell you, this is a roller coaster type of game where you have 
okay, let me do this right. The Pelicans were flying like crazy on the Suns. They were beating the living crap out of the Suns up by as much as 20-plus points. And Devin Booker said no more. Devin Booker, I have to tip my head. I've been talking junk about you if you were the real deal. Show me more than this one game. Show me more than this one game. Don't let me get caught up in this hype out of this one game. But he exploded for 58 points, and they needed every last bit of it, in which he had a stretch of scoring over 20-plus points alone straight by himself. Nobody else scored. He was doing all of this. He did the heavy lifting for the Suns, and they won this game. And interesting enough, they win this game. And kind of like when Zion uh, did the dunk, he did the 360 dunk at the end of the game, Booker gets the ball, he runs past half court and shoots a three from far, trying to hit 60, like trying to get to 61. You can tell that this is a rivalry for real. It's just bad that this turned into a rivalry now while Chris Paul is older um, and he probably will lose a piece like Chris Paul within the next, let's just be fair and say two to three years or so, at least, at least to give it that type of leeway. Um, but I feel like they'll still have probably somebody to come fill the void. I'm not as comfortable with Cameron Payne, but for this type of matchup rivalry within the Western Conference speaks volumes, um, the Grizzlies have now taken over first place. They are 19 and 10 in the, uh, the Western Conference. The Pelicans sit second place, 18 and 11. The Nuggets are 17 and 11. The Suns are 18 and 12. The Kings are fifth in the Western Conference, 16 and 12. The Blazers are 17 and 13. The Clippers are fighting their way back, 18 and 14. And Kawhi ends up going off at 31 points yesterday too. Utah is now falling to 17 and 15, but still interesting in the Western Conference. The Dallas Mavericks have fallen to 15 and 15, 500. At this point in time in the season, the Timberwolves are 14 and 15 in the 10th seed in the Western Conference. This is interesting because in 11th seed, Warriors are 14 and 16, the Lakers are 12 and 16, the Thunder are 12 and 18, and then the Spurs are 9 and 20 as well with the Rockets. This Western Conference is completely loaded. Uh, I, for the Warriors to be under 500, especially with Steph Curry now having an injury, injured his shoulder, and he's out for the next couple of weeks. I'm hoping that the Warriors don't fall, especially with the question marks and issues that loom around Klay Thompson and with the decline of Draymond Green as well. Like, he's older and he's not putting up the scoring that he used to when they were in the thick of things in the prime of them winning those championships. I think they are going to be the hunted, and they're bleeding bad, especially with Steph being out. They're going to need people like Dante DiVincenzo to step up and play that point guard role. If not, this could end up looking like the season where Clay, Steph, and Draymond were out, and the Warriors won't be able to kind of defend the title uh, unless Steph gets back soon. I'm hoping that they could uh, stop the the leak, if you will. Um, But nevertheless, across the board, um, in the Western Conference with the Timberwolves, with them being 14 and 15, they're under 500 holding the 10th seed. We don't know what they look like until they get full, back to full strength as well. The Dallas Mavericks sitting at ninth, and everybody, including myself, I think that Luka would actually top, finish top three or top five in MVP voting. Um, they were actually at the top six at one point. They've fallen because uh, 
people have kind of matched their energy, knowing that Luka is going to be the one that goes off. They're kind of settling for letting Luka do what he does and stopping everybody else, and it's been working. So they're 15-15 at this point in time. But nevertheless, I'm kind of getting away from what I was talking about with the Pelicans and the Suns. The Western Conference is a madhouse, and your notables, the ones that you're used to seeing in the top half of the Western Conference, they're not there. The Clippers are seven. The Mavericks are nine, and they got to the Western Conference Finals last year. The Warriors won the title. They're 11, and the Lakers have LeBron, AD, and, and such, and they're 12. So this is interesting. I've, I've never seen this type of parity in the Western Conference. Believe me, I, this is why I call the Eastern Conference like the Yellow Brick Road, and the Western Conference, I call this the Affinity War, a.k.a. the Avengers. But I had to talk about the Devin Booker situation. I, I really can't get away from that. That was an uh, explosion across the board. So now I have the NFL situation. I'm going to do this the best way I can. The caller number is okay. Well, well, well. Okay. So sorry. I was not looking at the switchboard. I have Mr. Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you doing this morning? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I was uh, just checking those standings before we came on today, looking exactly what you were just talking about with the NBA. Uh, looking at right now how the Lakers and the Warriors would be on the outside looking in um, in that Western Conference, but I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, I'm happy to be on here with you and to chop it up with you. I know you got to a lot of stuff, so I'm just uh, I was just sitting here waiting to cut, man, waiting on uh, waiting to come in. But bring me up, let me share space with you. No, well, you could you could get to the NBA if I'm there. I, I talked about the. The signing with Swanson with the Cubs. I also covered Correa. I covered Gallo going to the Twins for one year. I uh, also just got into the scoreboard. Of, I don't know where you caught me. Um, I got into the scoreboard with college, the bowl season as well, um, and trying to jump into week 15 as best as I can with the game that just went down and the games that we have today. But be, don't jump okay. into the NFL yet. I didn't do anything NFL yet. Okay, I got you. So I, I – I think it's real interesting, to, you know, looking at what we just talked about with the Western Conference, how those teams have kind of, like you said, at 11 and 12. And then right now, looking at the East, I mean, obviously, Boston, Milwaukee, top two. Cleveland, best record, best home record in the league at three right now. And then it is starting to look like maybe uh, Sixers and – Right now, the Nets, those five are starting to separate themselves as as the top five out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, you mentioned the college football thing yesterday. You know, it's such a, a a weird dynamic now with these bowl games, man. Like, I used to be all excited about bowls, like, oh, we're going to get to see these conferences match up head up and see how they, you know. Uh, look against other teams, but man, like now with all the opt-outs and people not playing, you know, making business decisions and whatever, like, and I can understand what what they're doing, but I mean, you know, listen, Florida had the top two quarterbacks out, a third-string guy who was supposed to be second, but like missed a chunk of time at the beginning of the season. Uh, so the Ohio State transfer, they just. Uh, basically stripped bare the quarterback position. Uh, if you don't have a trigger man, it's going to be tough. Uh, so uh, tough is closing of his first season. 
uh, for Billy Napier at Florida. They're not used to many losing seasons uh, in Gainesville, so kind of tough for him. Frank Gorman, like, I have a friend that's a big Southern Mississippi fan, so I kind of try to keep an eye on him. So to see him kind of blow up like that in his last ball game with 329 yards and accounting for a touchdown pass, uh, impressive to see that. Uh, That team's kind of bounced back. Had a pretty good year uh, considering that they're just two or three years off of uh, just trying to win a game or two in this league again. So they, they have kind of tried to have to rebuild things a little bit um, in Hattiesburg at Southern Mississippi. Uh, you mentioned other, other games like uh, real quick on the baseball front. Um, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I think the giants had to have Correa, man, like it or not. Like, I think they lost once they lost out on judge, they felt like they needed a superstar. Um, they had Buster Posey, who was kind of the leader of that team. And, you know, once he retires, it kind of left a hole on that roster. So, um, you know, obviously, Correa gets 13 years to try to anchor that uh, Giants infielder roster because you got to think eventually he's probably going to have to move off a shortstop. Swanson with the Cubs, I'm not surprised. I think they just went a little bit higher than – couple other teams wanted to. So you're looking at like, you know, $27 million per um, is what Swanson, actually 25.2, almost 25.3 is what we're looking at for Dansby Swanson with Chicago. I felt like they blew everything up a couple of years ago. I think they've still got some more work to do, but they're going to have to start putting some money back into that team. They just have too much going on. Um, around that area for them to not uh, try to at least put some money back into that product on the field. So um, good play for Dansby and a good deal for him. But I think, you know, his probably ceiling for that team is probably third place in that division. Uh, You mentioned Gallo. Listen, Gallo can play the gold glove outfield and he can hit the ball out the ballpark. The question is, you know, can he cut down on – can he cut down on strikeouts a little bit or at least, like, uh, be able to bring his average up a little bit? I'm real curious to see, time what Outlaw in the shift does because, you know, some people are really saying that for some of these uh, true pool hitters that taking away this shift uh, are basically – uh, taking away the other team's ability to shift could add some points back to these guys' batting average, at least a few. So I'm curious to see what happens there. Uh, Dodgers sneakily getting J.D. Martinez uh, as a depth piece, too. Uh, in that order, is pretty interesting. Uh, let's see. Did I did I uh, hit or did I miss anything that you've gone over so far? No, you're doing a pretty good job. No, you, you cover, you're covering everything. Um Anything else that you'd like to add on NBA? Or you basically did everything that I needed because I definitely want to jump into the NFL Week 15 uh, especially with what went down yesterday and going into today. So anything else that you'd like to add that I may have missed? Uh, real quick, I, I thought it was really interesting yesterday, like uh, on a college sense, uh, I thought we saw – a couple of road teams uh, and our neutral site games, but a couple of road teams go on the road. Um, 
SEC team in Tennessee goes into Arizona, loses a close game. That's a top ten matchup. Houston, who lost their number one ranking, goes on the road, and Virginia playing their first game in a few days is now eight and one. As Houston gets the win in uh, Charlottesville, so uh, kind of good bounce back win from them. Uh, Gonzaga beat Alabama yesterday. Uh, Ohio State, North Carolina was a competitive game uh, yesterday as well. So. I mean, obviously, college uh, basketball kind of starting to get into full swing. And then uh, just because it's kind of in my wheelhouse and the sport that uh, I care about, I thought it was a really interesting uh, piece of news that came out today. We talked about kind of the, the pipeline there. But the uh, the UFC has announced a partner sponsorship now with the University of Iowa, both men's and women's wrestling program as well. So uh, that's that's a kind of an interesting piece to see if that does anything for that sport uh, moving forward. So those are my other couple of uh, extra pieces. Okay, so we will be getting into the NFL Week 15 that started yesterday. We are getting December. I don't care where nobody say I love my month. This is this is Sports City's birthday. It's my own personal birthday. Everybody celebrates December with me, whether you may be of Jewish, uh, religious, or faith. You got Hanukkah, you got Christmas, you got Kwanzaa, you got New Year's Eve, you get the fresh start. Everybody celebrating December. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's what they say. I mean, that's how the song goes. That's what I heard. Okay, so let me get into this the best way I can. Thursday night, the matchup between the 49ers and the Seahawks. The 49ers go into Seattle. Beat the Seahawks 21-13, in which the storm is here, everybody. Brock Purdy is the guy right now. I think I think Brock Purdy will end up getting this job over Trey Lance. And if Jimmy Garoppolo don't look sturdy, he is out of San Francisco. Um, as much as I thought this was Jimmy's job and with Trey Lance breaking his ankle, if he didn't break his ankle, I felt like Jimmy G would have still been the guy. I did not see too much on Brock Purdy other than when he was in college. This guy comes into this situation and not only won the past two games, he's basically grabbed the reins and saying, basically, this is my team now. And I think the whole team believes in him. He can make moves off the throw, you know. I mean, he can run and pass. He can play in the pocket. Um, He has great faith to be a young guy, and, and that's what that team needs right now. Brock Purdy is the guy for this team. He threw two touchdowns to Kittle, um, and getting Kittle back involved in his offense too, which is big, especially while Debo's been out. If he could man this ship while Debo is out trying to get healthy and get back onto this team, it speaks volumes to what this guy can do for this team. But nevertheless, for him to go into a hostile environment of the 12th man in Seattle, for them to win that matchup 21-13, to in which I got to give San Francisco's defense a, a ton of credit, uh, for them to be one of the top three, or a lot of people say they're the best defense in the NFL, they took care of business, shutting this offense down, and they were getting injured in this game. Like, people were getting helped off the field, not just getting injured and they get up on their own power, walk off, and then come back the next series. So they were getting helped off the field and did the best that they could to hold Seattle away from scoring that, that next touchdown and two-point conversion to tie this game up while Seattle is still fighting to at least hold pace for postseason play. This loss makes it interesting uh, in the NFC playoff uh, picture. The next matchup we have, Oh, it's, it all starts on Saturday, and, and and I'm mad that this is how it has to go into the game that I wanted to kind of save for last, but I can't. The Indianapolis Colts lose their matchup up against the Minnesota Vikings, 39 to 36. Everybody, 
I don't know what to say about this. Jeff Saturday, I understand that you were a high school coach. You just played so many years in the NFL. You played alongside Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning, You're having a great wealth of knowledge coming into this game. But I know that they have you holding this place for the remainder of the season because they just got rid of their head coach. You guys are doing an excellent job in the special teams in a defensive situation in the first half where they had a 13 to nothing lead, uh, excuse me, not 13, 33 to nothing lead at halftime. I clearly thought this was over, but just like my father told me when I was 13 years old, don't you ever quit. Don't you ever quit. And I got to give Minnesota a ton of credit for hanging in there and fighting back to get back into this game. But looking at the Colts, for them to be able to manage a field goal in the third quarter and not score again, they were up 33 nothing with 8.26 on the clock. And like the old spooky movies, everything changed. Just And I can't even say it like the young girl when she said it right there. And everything changed. This Minnesota Viking team scored 36 points in two quarters to fourth overtime. They scored 14 in that third quarter with the 8.26 left. And they scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to force overtime. And then getting the field goal after, no one really wanted to score in overtime, but they scored the field goal at the end of the game to nail this game shut, ending up winning the NFC North. Um, Jeff Saturday, I understand that you're in a hostile situation. I know you're holding the position. If they hold on to him after the season, I really feel like Ursay's like, having fun with the situation, but he's not really a head coach, especially the way that he addressed the 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 media at the end of the game. It, it just didn't sell for me. And um, Matt Ryan, I get it. I know that you've been in the league. You're a respectable quarterback, but you are the author of two of the biggest collapses in NFL history. In the Super Bowl, you lost a lead up by 25. And in regular season, you lost a lead up by 33, in which a lot of the scoring – was because of field goals and the defense and the special teams. You were not scoring touchdowns. It wasn't you. Like, I think there was one play that there was a touchdown that was scored. You did nothing to help this team. I I don't even see you, like, waving at the crowd, like, saying that this is a farewell tour to end your career. What's there to play for? I think you would be playing for a Super Bowl or something instead of watching this team go into the gutter, and the Colts aren't going to be a top-five pick unless you guys lose out. If you guys lose out, then I feel like retirement should loom for uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, I I was saying this amongst the people that I know and and the the social media and so on and so forth. I was like, after this game, Matt Ryan needs to be at the door of that locker room and watch all of them walk by him and and shake their hands and give them a hug and say, "I'm, I'm, I'm finished. There's, there's nothing else for him to play for. He's gotten all the money. He's got to the pinnacle in the Super Bowl. Um, he's getting here to, I don't. I thought, to, like, redeem himself for everything that he's going through in Atlanta. I said he was watching Julio Lee, so on and so forth. There's, there's nothing that I can hang on to or clamor to with what happened with Matt Ryan in this matchup. Um, then, then I, I don't even know how I want to do this. If I want to mention game by game, I'll let Mike break these down. Okay, so, Mike, I'll let you break down – uh, the Niner game, yeah, I got to do that. I, I wanted to rant on that so bad because I'm I'm extremely frustrated how that went. Your thoughts on the Niner situation and the Colts situation back to back. So one thing I will say with the Niners, like, not only does this guy look like he could take over this team, uh, he's even got a little extra piece 
of uh, of Lord of RDI too. The guy can't bounce, uh, had some injuries already from being banged up from the last time out. Um, but said, you know, I didn't really have any thoughts of of missing this game. I wanted to be there for the team. You know, having a chance to get this starting job, and so he did a nice job and and ran with it. And so this is uh, obviously a big win for San Francisco. They clinch their division title, get in the playoffs, and we're gonna start to see uh, teams get those two spots. As, as we're gonna start to see teams clinch playoff spots. We've seen the Eagles do it now. We've seen San Francisco. We see Buffalo get in the playoffs now. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're going to get to them. So we're starting to see teams uh, punch their tickets to the playoffs. You're obviously going to see more and more of that over the next couple of weeks. But this San Francisco team uh, on defense is nasty. Uh, offensively, even without Devo, obviously you'd like to have him back. Uh, but even without Devo, they still have a lot of weapons. And so if the quarterback can manage the game and – not make a lot of mistakes, this team could be a serious problem and a team to be contended with in the NFC. Now, as far as the Colts and Vikings yesterday, it's crazy because you can't – two things. It's almost like – you and I talked about this yesterday in the barbershop. Shout out to uh, Clubhouse on uh, – the Barbershop on Clubhouse, come check us out. Check out what we're doing there. Uh, watch along with our sports events and different things and just uh, come be part of our family and conversations we have over there on Clubhouse. But it looked like in the first half that this Indianapolis team had really gotten the blueprint that Dallas used against Minnesota. They were shutting them down. DeForest uh, Buckner had got a couple sacks on uh, – Kirk Cousins, and it was at one point they said that uh, basically in a little bit more than three games, three games in less than two quarters, uh, DeForest Buckner had sacked Matt uh, Kirk Cousins seven times, so uh, they get in the pass rush, and you almost kind of kept waiting for it to turn back around. It was seventeen nothing, and then twenty nothing, and you're like, okay, well maybe they held him to field goal right there, and then. Everything else kept going wrong. This team, 33 nothing, five possessions, yo. Like five possessions down. Um, and then to your point, time, uh, they get one field goal in the second half. Man, if you get one more field goal or if you get one touchdown, you had a big enough lead that this team would not have been able to get all the way back in this game and take the lead and eventually win it. it, it it's kind of a – microcosm in some ways of the the viking season uh this team is 11 and 3 and i think 10 of those 11 wins have been by eight points or less or you know basically one possession games or something ridiculous so uh you know now the vikings punch their uh punch their ticket and it was not without drama uh yesterday so uh, you're right man like it doesn't matter what matt ryan does I feel like even if he were to come all the way back and take his team to a Super Bowl, which not going to happen, I wouldn't go lay any money if I were you. Uh, not this year or any year, not never uh, will he do that again. Uh, but this man will, these two games, unfortunately, 
these two big comeback losses are probably the two games that are probably going to define Matt Ryan's career. And he's had some good moments and whatever, but these are the most sensational sort of uh, headline-grabbing games that he's been a part of. And you hate to see it for the man, but it's like you said, man, Jeff Saturday kind of in over his head. They thought they were going to be more competitive in getting Matt Ryan and his not worked out for Indianapolis. Stay tuned because as this season uh, ends, how much are they going to blow up around that building and what are they going to have to uh, do to try to rebuild this thing? But that is not a good look uh, for anybody in that in that locker room that's uh, – Ooh, that that got me rough, man. Listen, it's been a tough season to me uh, for me as a Saints fan, and we'll mention them later on today too. But these ain't blowing up thirty-three to nothing lead, dog. Wow, that's a tough uh, that's tough for any fan base to swallow, even when you're not making the playoffs, bro. I don't know what to say about this, and this is the crazy part. Uh, it's funny how the NFL was showing it. They're showing like the the top seven. And then the teams that are in the hunt, and they showed the top 12 in the AFC. And it's like, okay, they're 4-9-1. and one. Like, what do you want them to do? Like, like, especially with them losing that type of game, are they going to go on a massive run when the next three would it be? That's what it is, the 4-9-1, the 14. They, they have three games where yeah. they're going to win three, yeah. and then everybody loses. Like, what's going to happen with them at 7-9-1? Stop it. Like, it's just funny watching them still have their, their emblem up there. It's like the Colts are finished. Like, I couldn't see them having everything fall their way. They went out and everybody loses? Like, no, I, no, stop that. But um, that right. has me frustrated. Not, o- not only like, okay, the Vikings haven't been playing well. Everybody's talking about their defense, so on and so forth. They are fighting for the NFC North to win a division. It's like, okay, they're losing 33 nothing. I'm like, are they really going to lose out and have a situation where the Lions come back and get the division? I'm like, no. Nah. And then looking at the remaining schedule, I'm like, they're going to win a game. It was They have the Bears, they have the Packers, and they have the Giants, I think. That's how it is, the remaining schedule for the Vikings. So one way or another, I feel like they had a winnable game within those three outside of this game. And then they storm back to win the game. I'm like, well, okay. So they ended up earning the division. They got it. But it's like – a 33-point loss, like, I mean, uh, deficit just crumbled. And thinking of how back in the day when the Oilers did it against the Bills, the Bills were down by 32, losing 35-3. to And then, you know, Jim Kelly struck up the band, and him, Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, all of them went crazy and ended up winning that game up in Buffalo. But it was it, it was just a different nature on how this was going down. You know, like, this, this game was clearly looking like Kirk Cousins of old and, he can't play in a uh, a primetime game, so on and so forth. And it was this was clearly a Colts loss. This wasn't a, a Vikings victory. So, like that's that's the best way I want to put it. But I don't want to get caught up in this because I kind of wanted to save this one for last, and I ended up getting caught at this first. Um, the next matchup, an upset to me. This is an upset, even though a lot of things are swaying their way. The Cleveland Browns win their matchup up against the Ravens, thirteen to three. Deshaun Watson has an 18 completion, 28 attempt day for 161 yards passing and one touchdown. In uh, a losing effort, J.K. Dobbins has 13 carries, 125 yards rushing with his return back to Ohio because, of course, he went to Ohio State. And Amari Cooper had four catches for 58 yards in a winning effort for the Cleveland Browns. Not too much flash in the pan in this game, but nevertheless, 
they did enough to hold off the Ravens to not win in their building. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game as the Browns win this one and holding the Ravens to three, another game without Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so the interesting thing is I, I think that for the most part, Hundley has played respectable at times, uh, replacing uh, Lamar not so much yesterday. You know, I, I think with Cleveland, you're just trying to get Deshaun comfortable, get him some reps, and get him some time with these receivers. You got most – these guys will be back, right? All these guys are still under contract for next year as far as Cooper and Donovan uh, – Donald Peoples-Jones, like the Chubb will be back. So you really, with Cleveland, you're trying to get some live game action, get a feel for your quarterback, shake some of that rust off because he's had such a a long time with no football at all. And, I mean, obviously try to just get this thing to where next year, you kind of hit the ground running, even going to your OCAs next year. It's going to be a tough division. Cincinnati's going to be uh, heard from. Baltimore's still to be heard from. So, um, And then you got Pittsburgh still trying to figure out what, what they're doing as far as in this transitional period. But uh, Cleveland can't afford to lose a whole other season. So you get some games in and start to try to develop some of this chemistry so they can hit the ground running next year. But this is a big win for uh, Cleveland. I thought that Baltimore's defense did as much as you can really ask them to do. They weren't able to get enough done uh, offensively, but you pointed out, like, a game from uh, J.K. Dobbins. They had a couple decent games out of him, so to get him back uh, into the fold, into the running back fold for Baltimore uh, could be big for them moving forward. I saw they might have Lamar back next week, so we'll see. But, uh, listen, this was – uh, kind of big for Baltimore to drop this game, though, when you got Cincinnati right there on your heels. Uh, and we'll hit them as we talk about uh, these are the matchups. This is a very close uh, division race that Cincinnati has got has climbed their way back into. Um, you know, good win for Cleveland, but ain't going to make a huge difference for them moving forward as far as any postseason possibilities. But it definitely hurts Baltimore with Cincinnati breathing down their necks. Okay, so the next match that we have is the Nightcapper, and boy, this was a thriller. I can't even lie. Um, the Bills end up out edging the Dolphins 32 to 29, in which the Bills had an early lead in this game, and then storm back into this game, come the Dolphins and making this interesting, going up by eight, and then here come the Bills to tie this thing up, and the Bills defense wakes up and stops Tua and company, gets the ball back and gets a kick uh, to win the game late. Uh, and knocking this up with a basically a, a, a chip shot, extra point type of attempt for a field goal, uh, winning this one and to end up clinching a playoff spot and the division as well. Uh, tipping my hat to what Buffalo was able to do in this matchup. Josh Allen throws for 25 uh, completions, 40 attempts, 304 yards passing with four touchdowns thrown uh, in a losing effort. And I have to give this a mention. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 17 carries. 136 yards rushing. I wonder why they didn't go there more. And Waddle had three catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I wonder why they couldn't go there more either. I know that Tua was getting Tyreek involved and trying to make this a, a hill show, but 
the most the situation was working, they got them right back into the game. This was clearly a real good matchup. Nevertheless, one of those AFC East games that I did not think that this would turn out this way. I really felt like the Bills would have shut this game down, uh, being in the snowy atmosphere and uh, Miami coming up from warm temperatures. And, and Miami was ready for the call and uh, didn't close out. But, Mike, your thoughts on this game as the Bills take care of business and uh, winning this matchup at home? Crazy early, so Osha breaks like a 68-yard run on a play. It just looked like, okay, he ran away from one guy, and it's like, okay, that's the first down run. He just outrun everybody out there. Uh, yeah, 68 yards even in the first quarter. You look at that number and just kind of break that down even more. Like, he had 100 yards in his first seven carries. So you wonder kind of why you went away from that. Uh, listen, I, I think uh, – I think Tua stepped up and made a few good throws for them. Uh, listen, Miami competed well in this game. Buffalo kind of, uh, I mean, obviously they're able to lock up this division, but, you know, Miami did beat them earlier earlier this season. So this is a game for them to sort of uh, even things out. But I didn't see anything in that game last night that tells me that you know, Miami can't compete with this team in the postseason. As you said, a uh, good game out of Josh Allen. Uh, he's able to bring his team back and get that win late. They scored the touchdown. Uh, dude jumped over the goal line for the two-point conversion to tie it up. Uh, but by far the most uh, exciting game of the day. I was uh, impressed with, with both squads there. You look, Buffalo has also taken a – a step forward. Buffalo is 11-3 and three now. Uh, right now, it's still the number one seed in the AFC. They have to win out. Miami now 8-6. and six. Uh, Their last three are Packers, I want to say Jets, and one more. Maybe Patriots, I'm not sure. But they have three left. Uh, win two of those, you're probably for sure in. Maybe still in with one, depending on how things sort of fall. So uh, Miami could still be a playoff team and be right there. Uh, at the end of the day in this division. But a very good football game for anybody that kind of uh, pushed through. Like, really, you had the crazy comeback in the first one. You had the clunker in the second game, the 13-3 to game. But if you pushed through and watched last night, you were definitely rewarded uh, with a really good football game. Once again, punching tickets to the playoffs. Uh, Buffalo punches theirs. and uh, But listen, Miami, uh, Miami competed well, and that was a game they – they could have very easily gone gone the other way. So a really competitive game uh, in Northwest New, in West New York last night. That is for sure. So, um, like I said, the, the fireworks that began NFL Week 15 is underway. We will get into the games uh, for today with our thoughts, views, opinions, so on and so forth, as quick as possible. We have. You call the number 929-477-2759. Continue to check out the website at sportscitychefs.com. The first matchup we have are the Philadelphia Eagles taking their talents to Soldier Field in Chicago. The Eagles are favored by 8.5 on the road. The over-under is set at 48.5. Mike, who do you like and why? This is a lot of points, I feel like. Um, But I like the Eagles to win this game. I don't know about eight and a half, dog. I keep kind of going back and forth on that. 
But I do like the Eagles to win. I understand uh, some of the comments about being a uh, being sort of a trap game, but uh, I think the Eagles win this game. I just think they have too much talent across the board. Uh, I'm impressed with some of the growth that I've seen out of uh, Justin Fields. He just don't have uh, the weapons in his arsenal to really go to war with this team. And the Bears are not quite the same team defensively that they were just a, a few short years ago. So uh, Eagles go to Soldier Field and get it done. It's cold in the Midwest, though, dog, right now. So uh, that'll be real interesting to see. But uh, Philly has shown you over the last couple of weeks that they can throw it when they need to, but they can also run it, too. So uh, I think they get it done in Soldier Field today. I'm going to do this as best as I possibly can. It's going to be close, but the Eagles win. I think the Bears covered the eight and a half. I agree with Mike. I think that's a lot of points. It's something about the Bears, especially just Justin Fields himself, uh, that if things break down that he could take off, and I think that he will pressure that defense uh, to pick up some yardage. They still have to figure out how to deal with the run, um, especially with teams that have had success running the ball up against Philadelphia, so they have to. And Chicago, one of their staples offensively is running the ball, especially if Justin Fields gets involved. So, I feel like this is going to be closer than schedule, but I still feel like the Eagles keep on rolling within this season. If the Bears do pull off the upset, please tune in throughout the week. I will apologize. I will apologize because I don't think the Bears have any business knocking off the best team in football, whether they're in Soldier or whether they're in the link. I, I still feel the Eagles should win this game, but eight and a half to me is a bit much. That, that basically telling me they, they're going to win by double digits. I don't think they're going to do that on the road. The next matchup I have, I will go first. The Atlanta Falcons carry their talents to New Orleans up against the Saints, in which starts Desmond Ritter for the beginning of his NFL career. Even though he's had some games in the preseason, he's probably coming in some games as well. Up against a Saints team who continue to let Dalton start and um, leaving Jamison to heal, I guess that's the best way that I can look at it. This game is up for grabs for me. But I'm going to select it. I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints to win this game. But I'm literally, like, clinching my fist picking the Saints because you just don't know what you're going to get with Andy Dalton. But I'm, I'm going with the Saints just because I feel like Desmond Ritter is going to have to figure out a tough defense in the Saints. I feel like the Saints defense can't get after him. If they don't, here goes another apology that I'm going to have to offer at the end of the day. But I'm clearly going with the Saints in this one. But I feel like this can be a tight one because this is a division rivalry. Mike, your thoughts on this one? the Atlanta Falcons, or your New Orleans Saints, how does this go down? Ooh, this is a uh, game, like, listen, rivalry game, uh, a big, big rivalry in the South. In a lot of ways, this Saints team is kind of playing out the string, but if you're going to get up for any more games, this is one because of the rivalry uh, that they've had with the Falcons for a long time. Um, Andy Dalton, I don't understand why you're still starting unless Jameis is still, you know, Jameis says he can start, but uh, I don't know, man. It, it, it's kind of a train wreck at the quarterback position, but this is not a prime time game. This is not a game where all eyes are on you. As a matter of fact, there will probably be very few eyes on you outside of uh, outside of the Big Easy and Hotlanta on uh, Sunday. So, ain't got to worry about it too much. Uh Oh, uh, whatever, red rifle, whatever you want to call yourself or whatever. So uh, since you don't have too many people watching, maybe you won't shoot yourself in the foot. 
I think the Saints find a way to get this done today. They can at least show up for the rivalry. You know, one thing that uh, they can at least accomplish this year uh, with a win today is sweeping the dirty birds and going ahead and really eliminating uh, Atlanta from playoff discussion for all intents and purposes. So uh, I'm going to ride with my black and gold today, man. I, I think the Saints find a way to get it done. Uh, it, it's, it, we know it's going to be some uh, Falcons fans uh, in the Big Easy attending this game because they think maybe they can still somehow find a way to uh, eke into the to the playoff picture with this division. But I, I think the Saints are going to go ahead and end those dreams today. Who that Saints win? Okay, the next matchup I have are the Detroit Lions going into MetLife up against the New York Jets, in which the Jets are favored by one and a half. The over-under is set at 44. Who do you like in this matchup and why, Mike? All right, man, Ty, I hate to do this to you, man, but I'm going to pick your lines, bro. (laughs) And and the reason why, I just think uh, the Lions have too much on offense. I understand that against everybody except for the Patriots. Uh, Zach Wilson has found a way to win ball games this year, but that stat line is not very pretty. Uh, I think the Lions can get some pressure on him, uh, and I think the Lions just have a little bit too much offensive firepower for the Jets. Uh, the Jets are pretty good defensively, so they're going to, you know, they're definitely going to make them earn it. It ain't going to be an easy win uh, by any means, but to me, this is where, with some of the other games that are going to pan out today, uh, this is where the Lions move up uh, into that seven-win club and really uh, uh, start to push and, and start to have some conversations about whether or not uh, they can re- really make a push for this last uh, wild card spot to, today. So this is a big one for the Lions. I think they win the win this game and get into start to become even more part of the, the possibility of a postseason discussion for Detroit. You just have to do it. Right? You just had to do it. I, I was doing all right, and then you just want to jump in line and, and do this to me. Okay, so this is the – I guess this is like my moment of truth, and I've been ducking the smoke all week long, and everybody asking me how this thing goes down. Of course, I want to see my boys do it, and of course – this is a testy situation because they're going into MetLife. The Meadowlands is so windy, um, and the all of the. I want to see Jared Goff fight through the odds for it to be a cold situation there outdoors, and him having small hands, and him not be being well on the road. He only thrown two touchdowns on the road and threw four picks on the road throughout the season, but at home he's thrown twenty touchdowns and three picks on the season. It's like I want to see you actually eclipse the four picks so at least get like two touchdowns thrown here that at least or two are better to at least make it look better for picks and don't don't throw any picks but you're going up against a savvy secondary and his defense is their staple and Robert Salad knows you well because he was with the Niners and you being a part of the Rams and of course I'm going to go with my boys but I am on thin ice about this one just because the Jets is a, t- a team that I feel like can give us a problem but this is a winnable game for Detroit, and these are always those type of games in Detroit history, a game where they can win, they'll end up falling short, and I just don't feel comfortable about this game. And it could be, you know, if this is the real deal, 
not the same old lines. If they are past, this is a new line, like this is the new slogan that they got going on for the past six weeks, this is a different line team, then I can feel it. But this game right here, if they can pull this out, out of MetLife, then everything will change in me. Like I'll feel like things are turning around. And, and right now, even with Zach Wilson starting, even with Mike White out and a lot of people in that Jets organization saying that they feel stronger when Mike White is playing, Zach Wilson has only lost two games this season, and that was to the Patriots. And and Bill Belichick doesn't lose to young talent. He's beating everybody else that he's going up against. So I'm going with my boys because my heart is invested. I'm married to the mob with the Lions. But this is a tough game. I don't feel like this is going to be some – blowout victory by the Lions. I feel like we got our work cut out for us, at least on attacking that defense. I don't think it's going to be easy, even with our strong uh, receiving core. Um, but defensively, we're going to have to stop their offense as well. We got Garrett Wilson and company to go after. I could talk about this game forever. Believe me, I'm festering. I'm biting my nails watching this, looking at both of these emblems. The next matchup we have are the Pittsburgh wait, Steelers wait, time, going time. up. Yes, sir. Before before you hit your next matchup, what is it? It's our what? Come on, say it one time. Excuse me. What do you say? It's our turn. Come on, one time. You come on, do it for me one time. No, not yet, not yet. No, no, no. Carmen might be sitting right outside my door. I don't want no smoke on her. I'm letting her go. No, no, no. Listen, let her go. That's that's Michael Myers, and he don't hear me breathing. Let. Okay, I think Mike walked past. Okay, so I'm I'm doing a show with a Michael. That's terrible. Okay, so so the next matchup I have, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers going to Charlotte, North Carolina, up against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are still in the hunt in the NFC. The Steelers are at least in the hunt within their division if everything starts to break down, uh, if the Bengals lose today and the Steelers win out. Mike, your thoughts on this game? Do the Steelers actually get out of Carolina a lot? So I think the Steelers find a way to get out of Carolina alive. I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly football game. Um, I'm not really impressed with what either one of these teams are bringing to the table today. Uh, but listen, I don't care how things break, even if Cincinnati loses today. I don't think they're going to. We'll get to that later on. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, – they should have went ahead and crossed uh, Indianapolis off the board. They could cross uh, Pittsburgh off, too, regardless of what happens today. To bar a turn from uh, one of our brothers in the barbershop, so they got a better chance of getting pregnant than they do to make the playoffs. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that the Steelers need a lot of work to get there. I do think that they end up winning this game up against the Panthers. I will be shocked if the Panthers win this game, but I won't say I would be impressed because uh, – the, the Panthers do have a defense that could actually put some question marks in front of this Steelers team, and if they could run the ball effectively, I think that they can make this a game. The Steelers have had their troubles dealing with uh, good running teams, and if the Panthers could run the ball well, I feel like this could actually make this an interesting game because they take T.J. Watt out of the game. Once you start passing, T.J. gets involved. Um, T.J. will slowly start to turn into your normal edge rushers that kind of take themselves out of the game if they can't make other plays than just getting to the backfield and get to the quarterback. I think the Steelers do win this one. This will be a nail-biter. This is one of those get-your-popcorn-ready type of games. I'm ready for it. The next matchup we have are the Dallas Cowboys going to Jacksonville up against the Jaguars, in which the Cowboys are favored by four on the road. The over-under is at 47-and-a-half. I'm going to give the edge to the Cowboys in this. But I think the Jaguars cover. 
I think that this will be a field goal type of game. Everybody's going to bite their nails. going to go to the fourth quarter. I think that the Cowboys get a kick to win this game late. I don't think the Jaguars have what to take across the board to knock off the Cowboys while they are seemingly hot at this point in time. Mike, your thoughts on this game, Cowboys-Jaguars? Uh, so I think that this is a game that the Cowboys should win. I don't know. I I could see I could see them coming with a kick. I could also see them find a way to win by four. Uh, so I'm gonna say either a push or a cover here. You know, kind of like a 28-24 type of game or something like that. Uh, but I think Dallas wins. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence put up a 40 burger last week on the fantasy side. Uh, this is a bit of a better defense, though, uh, that he's going to be playing against. Uh, I think the Cowboys win, uh, kind of still stay in the Eagles' rear view, though I, I think, uh, you know, that's going to be a long road for them to kind of get back into that uh, NFC East. But I do like the Cowboys to win today. The next matchup I have are the Kansas City Chiefs taking their talents to Texas up against the Houston Texans. The spread is at 14-and-a-half. The over-under is at 48-and-a-half. I'll go first on this one. I think the Chiefs win. They do not cover the 14-and-a-half. Vegas is letting you know something. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game, Chiefs or Texans? Who do you like and why? So that's a lot of points. 14-and-a-half is a whole lot. I for sure didn't think they would cover it. Now with Damian Pierce being out, I have my questions on what, if anything, uh, this Houston team can do uh, offensively. We already know that it's going to kind of be a little bit of a uh, game of musical chairs at quarterback with Davis Mills and uh, Jeff Driscoll. So uh, it's going to be challenging uh, for the Texans to be able to uh, put up points in this game. And I just don't know that they really have enough to stop Mahomes. Uh, And so I think the Chiefs win. I'm going to say that maybe the Texans cover, but I think it's going to be right around 14. Like, I think it's going to be real close to that number one way or the other. Okay, the next matchup we have are starting the 4 o'clock, the Arizona Cardinals take their talents to Denver up against the Broncos in which Denver's favored by one and a half. The Cardinals are starting life without Kyler Murray as he's on the men for the next probably 10 or so months of recovering from his ACL injury. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this one? Both of these quarterbacks are seemingly out. Who do you like, Cardinals or Broncos in Colorado? I don't like neither one of them. I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is going to be an ugly football game. Uh, I guess I will go uh, with Denver since they're at home. Uh, But I think that this game has a chance to be every bit as ugly as uh, that Carolina, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Atlanta games that we were talking about earlier. Um, Yeah, like I I have no idea really, honestly, where to go with this game. I'm going to go with Denver since they're at home. But this game could be like a 3-2 to game or something stupid. But – uh, yeah, I, don't put no money on this game. And, and and I would advise you not to even watch it. So let's break this thing up. I'm going with the Cardinals. I feel like the Cardinals can actually spell doom for Denver and try to get this thing turned around. 
especially with Kyler being down, I feel like the odds are against him. But I feel like it's something about the mystique of Colt McCoy. The Colt McCoy pulls these wins out out of nowhere. Everybody's like, oh, well, he don't have it no more. He's years, we're 10 years ago, so on and so forth, and he could pull it out. And to me, I feel like Colt McCoy is a better quarterback than Drew Locke. I just just been questioning Drew Locke since he's gotten the league and really hasn't stunned me at all. I mean, he's had some flash in the pan plays, but – I don't think it happens today. I think the, the Cardinals pull this out. I, I think that their defense can get after Drew Locke and make this a tough one at home, nevertheless. The next matchup is a very interesting one, one of the 4 o'clock games that I feel like I'm getting my popcorn ready for. The New England Patriots take their talents on the road to Viva Las Vegas up against the Raiders, in which the Raiders are favored by two in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the over-under is set at 45 at this point in time. Um, Mike, I'll let you go first. Your thoughts, Patriots or Raiders in Vegas? You know, um, this is a really interesting game. That the Raiders are starting to get some of their pieces back. I think Darren Waller uh, is active uh, for this game today, so uh, that'll be real interesting. But at the end of the day, I still I feel like I trust. I I, want to lean towards the Raiders a little bit since they're at home, but I'm having trouble getting uh, the memory of what they did a week ago, 10 days ago now, uh, losing to the Rams and Baker Mayfield. I'm just having trouble getting that out of my head. Uh, It seems like the – it seems like the Patriots can't really uh, get out of their own way a little bit offensively, but uh, most of the time Bill Belichick's team still um, show up defensively. So I'm going to go with the team that I think is a better defense, and I'm going to say somehow the Patriots get, find a way to get it done today in Vegas. Um, here we go with another split. I think Vegas is up to something, and I'm not talking just the Raiders. The Valley of Las Vegas, for this to be that close, I feel like the Raiders have pulled us off um, with this, the pupil beating the teacher. And knowing how close Josh McDaniel and uh, Bill Belichick are, I, I really feel like Josh will pull this one off and give the Raiders something to talk about going into the next season. But um, I think this is a Raider game to win. And um, I feel like their defense could be just as effective, especially with Crosby up front too. I think this could actually make it a big and long day for uh, Mac Jones. If Mac Jones could avoid pressure and make those passes downfield and make completions, the Patriots win. But I, I feel like this is going to be a long day on the road, and especially they're in Las Vegas. Do you know, as soon as you land in there, like your brain just clears. It's just like something about that valley or that town, however you want to say it. It's just you're, you're a free fall. Like everything is just clear-minded. I don't think the Patriots will stay in that zone. That Belichick always has people in that zone. I feel like the Raiders have the edge in this matchup. The next 4 o'clock that I have is the Tennessee Titans going up against the Los Angeles Chargers, in which the Chargers are favored by three at home. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Clear, flat out, the cover, the win outright. Uh, I think this will actually be over. I think this goes over the 46-and-a-half. I'm just not impressed with what I've seen with the Tennessee Titans. I understand that Henry's one of my favorite running backs in the league. Tannehill has to prove that he could outshoot Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has been 500 throughout the season. I don't believe that he's that guy to carry the Chargers to the next level, but I feel like he has enough in the tank to knock off this Titan team. The Titans, I don't feel like they're ready. I respect Vrabel as a coach, 
but I don't think they're ready to go on the road and win in SoFi. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this matchup, Titans-Chargers in SoFi up up against this Charger team? The Chargers are favored by a field goal. You know, I think this Chargers team has been uh, very, very up and down this year, and sometimes when they are up, it's in spite of their coaching and not because of um, – for all the the criticism that Ryan Tannehill has gotten, and justifiably so, uh, Justin Herbert has put up a lot of really good numbers as far as uh, quantity goes, but uh, you can argue that there's some quality lacking in that, right? So, uh, But he's got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back. He's got the pieces back. I think the Chargers win this game, go to 8-6, and, and really uh, – you know, trying to make this push for this playoff spot. This is one of those games that Tennessee's probably going to be there regardless just because that division is so uh, weak. Uh, so this is a must-have for the Chargers. Tennessee loses their, this game. They're still 7-7. Seven and seven. It's still a, a very uh, strong shot to still get that number four seed coming out of the uh, AFC South. But I just look at at Tennessee like I see a recipe in which they could pull this off, and that is if Derrick Henry gets off to a really good start and you can try to make the Chargers more one-dimensional. But I just think the Chargers have a little bit too much and have a little bit more momentum uh, going into this game. And so when in doubt, I'm going to go with the home team and say the Chargers win today. So I'm agreeing with you on this one. They make it one-dimensional for Derrick Henry to be effective. <laughs> they need Tannehill to be effective. I don't see it. I don't see it. Okay, the next matchup we have are the Bengals going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this is taking place in Florida. Burrow has been himself as he was last year. Tom Brady, you are not yourself. I don't even know if I blame it on age. I don't know if it's the cohesiveness of the team, but this isn't the same Buccaneers team that we've seen for the past couple of seasons. Uh, They are having their issues. Can they fall two games under 500? That is the question. Mike, I'll let you start this one up. As the Bengals are favored by three and a half on the road up against the Bucks, the over under set at 47. Joey B and all his weapons uh, coming down south to play in the warm weather. I think they're going to be appreciative of being able to be somewhere warm for at least the afternoon. Uh, Cincinnati's been playing some really good ball lately. Uh, I think they keep it going today. Uh, I think Tampa still uh, the odds on favorite will probably still win the South and kind of eke into the playoffs, kind of like what I was saying about the Titans just a second ago. But I just think that this is a huge game for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati uh, to get this win. You just had Baltimore go down yesterday, so you got the chance to kind of move into first place in this division and, and then try to see what you can do as far as getting up into the top three. Uh, you know, and, and, and get a little bit more work during the last three weeks of the season. But I just think this game is set up for uh, uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and, and Cincinnati to win in Tampa today. Okay, I'm going to actually go with the Bengals to get this done. I think they keep pace to stay ahead of that Ravens team. The Ravens just lost yesterday. I think they clearly stay atop the AFC North and put the pressure on them across the board. I, I just feel like Joe Burrow, this is his time, especially the way that he went through last year and losing the Super Bowl. Uh, I really thought that they would struggle getting into this season and seeing how far and effective they could be. Um, but this is a game right now that he's in front of 
the best quarterback of all time in Tom Brady and to prove himself on a big-time stage like this, I'm going with the Bengals to take care of business on the road and to cover, and to cover. The nightcapper for the evening are the New York Giants carrying their talents to, well, I really wanted to say Washington, D.C., but they're in Landover, Maryland, up against the Commanders. Um, I'm going to go with the Commanders at home, even though they tied the last matchup. Uh, the spread is sitting at four and a half now. I thought it was at four. It's gone up a half a point. Uh, I feel like the Commanders can actually cover. The Giants have to prove to me that they can get this done with the receivers that they have on the field and not just force feed Saquon as much as possible. I understand Saquon is the face and the name on this team, but they have to do more to Saquon. If they keep this up, they're going to end up getting this guy injured again for the third time within the center of his career, and I don't want to see that happen. Relax a little bit. Let Saquon do it willingly to help this team, not just force feed him because you guys will hurt this guy again. Mike, your thoughts on this game? Giants, Commanders, the Commanders are favored by four and a half in Maryland at FedEx Field. You know, I feel like the Commanders have enough to win this game a little bit more at the wide receiver position. Um, and also being at home, you talked about it being a tie last week, and then the Commanders got a week off where the Giants just sort of got uh, got bludgeoned a little bit last weekend, uh, I believe, by Philadelphia, right? So uh, Commanders are probably a little bit healthier, a little bit fresher. Uh, I'm going to say that the Commanders win, but I'm going to say that the the Giants cover. I, I feel like it's this feels like a field goal game to me. It can be, especially the way that these teams you don't you don't really know what they have. But I feel like the Commanders are getting stronger. I feel with them having a home field advantage, I feel like they can take advantage of this. But the crazy part was is how things went down up against the this, this same matchup while they were in New York and they ended up having a tie. I felt like somebody could have won that game and they didn't. Um, but nevertheless, I, I'm giving the edge to Riverboat Ron and company. Last but not least, before we get ready to close this show, we have the Monday night matchup. The Los Angeles Rams being led by Baker Mayfield carry their talents to Lambeau Field up against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, in which both of these teams are struggling. I think both of these teams are trying to fight for as much as possible for the you know, top ten pick if they can. You guys have to see how this is crumbled kind of with the, the big contract that came to Aaron Rodgers. But nevertheless, I don't want to hang this on them as much as possible, even though I want to. The Packers are favored by seven. The over-under set at 39-and-a-half. Mike, your thoughts on this game? Who wins this one, the Rams or the Packers? So this is one of the ugliest Monday night matchups that we've seen in a little while. And I understand, like, coming into this year, this game, you know, people thought it was going to be sexy because everybody thought – Rams are going to be Super Bowl contenders again, and you know Aaron Rodgers and you know and the Packers and what they bring to the table. Uh, at the end of the day, I think I still got to go with uh, I got to go with the Packers. I don't know that uh, I don't know that I I can say I, I like them enough to say for sure that they cover. I've seen a little bit of growth out of Christian Watson, you know, over the last few weeks. I like that running game that they have uh, with both Dylan and uh, Aaron Jones. I'm not sure if Jones is back today, but Dylan stepped up um, in the last game. I just think that this team has a little bit more. Neither one of these teams, um, neither, neither one of these teams has had the season that they that they've hoped to. 
which is why, like you said, you talked about them kind of uh, trying to get a top 10 draft pick. Uh, I will say this. If the Packers don't win this game tomorrow, uh, you you got to go ahead and stop messing around and just go ahead and uh, sit Rodgers and get a look at get a look at Jordan Love and see what you have uh what you have in him. But I think the Packers win tomorrow. Uh listen, Baker Mayfield had his little moment in the sun uh last Thursday night coming back late to beat uh the Raiders. Uh coming back from down sixteen to three in the fourth quarter even. Um I, I just don't think that uh he's got it in him again. I don't think Lightning will strike try twice for Baker Mayfield and you know, a matter of 10, uh, 11 days, I guess, uh, would be right the number. So uh, I'm going to go with the Packers at home, but I think this is going to be an ugly football game. Look, I'm pulling out all the stops, all the pressure. Right now I'm doing it. Packers win, Packers cover over the 39 and a, the 39 and a half, excuse me. Um, if not, I mean, and the Packers could win. But I feel like they they do all they cover all the bases. If not, the the question looms in front of Aaron Rodgers: Why play for the remainder of the season? You're struggling with a Rams team with a quarterback that's only been there for less than three weeks. Let's say less than three weeks. He's playing off of inspiration and motivation to try and turn this thing around while they're without Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup isn't there, so that offense don't look the same way that it did last year when they quote unquote won the Super Bowl. You have to get this done, Rodgers, if you're trying to go on this run and save face for the season and finish above 500 and push for the, the hunt for the playoffs, this has to get done. And they have to cover this by more than seven on Monday night when everybody's watching. You can no longer look like a blunder, especially in the month of December, especially while your birthday just passed, Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. A lot of it's in front of you. I'm sorry. You got Christian Watson that's been playing good. Lazard is a, a tough cover for him to also be a six foot four, six foot five receiver. Enough. Enough is enough. So you telling people to relax? No, we're relaxed now. We're watching you not look good this season. Packers all the way across the board. Mike, plug, close out, shout out anything that you like to promote as we shut this thing down for NFL Week 15 here at the brunch. Man, as always, man, first and foremost, uh, many thanks to you, my brother. Without you, I wouldn't be here. Alongside with you for the brunch on Sunday morning, it's always a pleasure and a privilege, man. I know next uh, Sunday we got Christmas, so to everybody in Sports City, man, and uh, to you as well, TP, and uh, to all the other chefs out there that that, that help us be bring to you the content that we do, man. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all those things coming up over the next week. Uh, check out the website, SportsCityChefs.com. We got merchandise. We got articles, finger foods, uh, different things. So check us out, see what we got going on. Remember, you can also listen to us on your smart speakers, such as uh, ALEXA, your Amazon smart speakers and all that, man. Just to play Sports City Chefs. <clears throat> and we got shows coming at you uh, each and every week, Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, the NFL Free For All, Wednesday nights at uh, 9 p.m., the Callers Cookout. Uh, Chandler and I have done a couple of uh, – hot stove shows on Thursday night, so we'll probably be playing with that uh, a little bit more, and then always the mothership, man, the, the time of Sunday morning brunch, man, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to be alongside with you, my brother, so uh, uh, thanks again for having me. Check out the barbershop on Clubhouse, man, we're continuing to grow, 
as I said before, uh, live watch-alongs during uh, Thursday night, uh, during uh, college games as well, uh, during Sunday NFL football, Sunday night, Monday night games, uh, bowl season kicking up hot and heavy. So, uh, you know, listen, you're watching sports, you want to come in, or like even during the, during the day sometimes you want to be updating on things going on in sports. Uh, listen, check us out on Clubhouse. Follow our house. We got a room up and come in and pop by. Uh, we have a topic in the room, but we're liable to go off on any other conversation and topic, comfortable, uncomfortable conversation, sports, culture, everything, life, man. So uh, come be part of our uh, barbershop community on Clubhouse. Don't forget about PHI Apparel. Listen, Phillies uh, have made some moves. Eagles on a run. Uh, 76ers top five in the East. I have no idea what the Flyers are doing this year, but. Uh, Philly sports teams, man, phiapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEFS at checkout for an extra 15% off there. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that. Much appreciation to PHI Apparel uh, for being one of our sponsors as well, man. And listen, uh, I say this all the time, but if it wasn't for listeners and people out there listening to what we do, I wouldn't have a reason for uh, bringing the content. So uh, once again, thanks to everybody in Sports City. Everybody's listened to us and, uh, Listen, man, we look forward to uh, bringing you content as we close out this year and move on into the next year. And as you say in Louisiana, man, they did they go to Louisiana. Much love, Simon. Peace. That is for sure, man. Tune in throughout the week. Again, just like Mike said, Christmas is upon us. At least throughout Christmas Eve, we got to figure out how we're going to get these games done for Saturday because there's going to be a lot of games that take place Saturday. I know Christmas is going to be jam-packed family, so we're going to try and figure out how we can get this done. But stay tuned throughout the week, that's for sure, on all of the social media from Twitter, Facebook, so on and so forth. You got us. You want us. SportsCityChefs.com. That is the website. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.